uh, things like that. So Mike will be running around. Oh, okay. I saw Emily go real fast. I, I thought she was doing it. Uh, Evan, Pastor Evan will be running with the mic. And if you have something you would like to share, just raise your hand. He'll come to you. Please say your name into the mic uh, so that we know who we're praying for and who we're encouraging. Anybody can go first. It's always, yeah, there we go. All right, Ted's going again. Hi, I'm Ted. So a couple of weeks ago, my daughter got her second hip replacement surgery done. That was successful, but also on the day when they were wheeling her out to recovery, they were telling my dad that he has stage four brain cancer. So we just want to pray for him. He's sad and he's lonely right now. I'm I'm so grateful for my stepsisters being there for him all the time. So, Kevin, you. All right, we will do that. And, uh, you know, I'd like to encourage you to do one more thing as you pray for Ted's dad. Would this be okay, Ted, if, uh, if someone just wrote out a note of encouragement to your dad? Let him know we're praying for him. Let him know we're thinking about him so he doesn't have to feel alone. There's people up here that care about him. So if he'd be willing to do that um, and get that note to Ted, he'll get it to his dad. My name's Kara. I just, my sister had a heart attack. Had a tear in, in her back. I, I asked for prayers for that to heal up, but I just am thankful that they were able to get to the hospital and then not to that hospital, but them to a better hospital. So I'm just really thankful for that. I'm thankful that she came out on this side pretty decent. Got her where she needed to grateful for that. Hi, I'm Mary. We have a young man that we know. I'm trying not to cry, but this is... He's finishing up. He has a really good job ahead of him. And he's going down a real slippery slope right now. Not as you think. Um, letting things go by the wayside. His name is Jim. Do that. We're going to pray with Jake. Pray for Jake. Pray that God will redirect. So, I'm Audrey. A lot of you know that we've been like doing the up and down, who knows where we're going, not me thing for quite a while. <laughs> but I have been accepted to a university in England. Um, for a master's program in sustainable chemistry. So we'll be starting there next fall. Just praise the God. All right. In Sheffield, England, is that correct? Yeah, that's one of those announcements that's kind of bittersweet because we're like excited for what God's going to do in your life, but at the same time, we're like, no, stay. But um, yeah, we're excited and we get to keep you around for at least a few more months. Hi, I'm Sally, and I want to praise God, first of all, his protection over Ray and I as we just come back from traveling by air and by car um, to Florida, Georgia. And one of the coolest things on this trip was um, we planned this ahead of time. The last day, we spent the night with a cousin of mine in Georgia and his wife, and, and his sister also came up. But they're all believers, and it was just such a time of fellowship with them and getting to hear the stories of how they gave their lives to the Lord. And one other really cool thing was my uncle, my cousin's dad, um, I had never heard the story of how he gave his life to Christ before he passed away. And this would be my, my dad's oldest brother. But it was just neat to hear that. Perfect way to. Always encouraging to hear about other people's journeys and how God has worked in their lives. And sometimes I'm like, I need God to work in my life. What does that look like? I'm Logan. Um, first, uh, like some prayers for my buddy. His name is Robert. Um, he has just been the last couple of weeks, months, um, 
completely overwhelmed with stress and work. And then I've got two little boys that, you know, parenting with that and then um, managing a bunch of young kids. It's just kind of been building and building and building because they had an inspection at the Domino's Bakery that didn't go well. And it, it's just kind of compounding everything and stress. You know, normally, I, I'm going to change my plan a little bit. Normally, we kind of break up in little groups and we pray, and that's that's always an awesome time. Um, but it would be okay if I prayed over you today. And uh, uh, as, you know, as we've heard before, there's no such thing as a magic prayer team. Uh, one person leading the prayer isn't the, isn't the prayer person. Uh, but I just want to be able to lead in this sort of thing. And if hopefully you've been writing these things down and recording these things, and I want to encourage you to pray for these requests throughout the Pray without ceasing. Pray for one another. Add prayer requests to this as God just puts things on your heart as you're praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ. So with that, we just bow together. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are reminded that your word tells us that we have a great high priest, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he is able to sympathize perfectly with all of our weaknesses, with all the trials and travails that we go through in life, yet without sin. God, we need that. We need someone who's perfect, we need, but we need someone who also understands us, someone who gets us uh, in, our, in our struggles that we might have in life and our joys that we have in life. God, we thank you that we do not serve a distant God, God that is far off, so transcended above and beyond us that he is in no way intimate uh, intimate with us or imminent in our need, our requests. And God, we also thank you that your heart is one that you would not, you would not break a bent reed. Uh, you would not put out a smoldering but rather, Lord, you would strengthen and breathe life uh, so that flame can burn all the brighter. So, God, here we are, and I bring before you those requests that you've already heard. We know, God, there were probably requests in hearts that were not spoken. And we know that you hear those as well. And, God, we just want to stand together in unity on behalf of our brothers and sisters. Uh, we pray for Ted and Kara as they're dealing with family, going through health issues. Uh, we pray for Ted's daughter to heal completely and fully from her surgery, uh, for Kara's sister to recover um, totally from this uh, Hard issue that she had, but God, uh, we especially bring Ted's dad before you. Would you surround him, God, with believers? Would you bring nurses, doctors, chaplains, whatever, into that hospital that would come to him, bringing the love of Christ and some encouragement to him? And God, as we're here at a distance, may we may we send our greetings, may we send our best wishes. Let him know he's not facing this uh, alone. God, we lift up this friend that Mary mentioned, this young man uh, who has his whole life ahead of him, uh, but also some, some decisions, some choices that could be obstacles to that. God, we pray that you would redirect his path, that you would, again, bring believers into his life. God, would your Holy Spirit come to him through, uh, through temples on wheels uh, in believers, and would you make yourself known to him at this time? God, we thank you for Audrey and for Jake. We're so happy that they're a part of our family here. It's so great to see the growth that you have been bringing into their life and the, the heart's desire that they have to serve you wherever you might lead them. And it sounds like England to where you're leading them, God. And so we just pray that even now you're preparing their hearts for that journey, that you're preparing them to be your, your vessels in that place, bringing the love of Jesus, the good news of Christ, uh, wherever they go. So, God, would you just pave the way for them? May they just find it amazingly incredible the way that you direct them. Father, thank you for watching over Ray and Sally uh, in their travels. Thank you for giving them time with their family, time with believing family. God, may we take this holiday season that's coming upon us when we gather at tables and we gather at homes, just share the story with one another. 
to, to take a moment to be a witness of Jesus Christ to our family members, whether they're believers or not. And because God, we, we all need to hear that. We all need to be reminded of who you are and how you work in our lives. God, we just thank you for that example that was shared with us today. May we act Now, God, we pray for Logan's friend, Robert. We ask God that in his stress, in his, in his uh, weariness, uh, that, God, you would come to him and that you would be a strong tower around him, a shield about him, and also, God, that you would be strength in his bones, strength in his heart, strength in his spirit, strength in his soul, strength in his mind, so that uh, what, whatever comes his way, he's able to endure and to remain steadfast in his faith. And, God, we pray that for all of us here today. Uh, may we be reminded of who you are, what you went through, uh, in order to draw us to yourself, in order to redeem our souls and make them your own. Um, God, may we, may we be reminded that, that you endured greatly for our sakes. Now may we endure through the strength of Jesus. Now, Lord, we pray for Job. We ask, God, that as he comes up here to present your word to us, that your word would be working mightily in his heart, and that uh, the sermon he preaches is one that you've already preached to him, and, God, that he would just share this amazing, amazing uh, that you have for us, so that we would walk out of this place a little bit different than how we came. So, God, here we are. We present ourselves to you. We ask you to make yourself known to us now. Thank you for indulging me in that. Please come on up and give us the word. Yes, thank you, Nick. Thank you, worship team, for this point leading us in our service. I'm just overwhelmed. Um, we have a really, really special bond. That's true. But let's pray before we jump into it. Lord, thank you. Thank you for how your spirit moves this place, how you are present with us. Lord, this is your promise to us, that you will be with us always to the end. I pray that, Lord, you would help each of us to remember that now, as I preach and you speak through your word, through me. I pray that you would work on people's hearts, change people's hearts, transform them, baptize them, be new, be redeemed, be resurrected. So, Father, in your name that we plead. Well, good morning, everyone. It's nice to see you all today. Um, thank you all for being here. My name is Joey, and I am an elder here at Common Ground. And I'm excited uh, to give our next message in our current ser sermon series entitled God's Purpose, Our Purpose. As many of you know, the purpose of this series is to look into the scriptures and see how they answer one simple but incredibly important question. What is the mission and purpose of Jesus? And this is no short task, for though at times it may be easy for us to want to boil down Jesus' mission to be one-dimensional, uh, we find in the scriptures that his mission is multifaceted, not flatly speaking to one area of our lives only, but rather he gives us an answer for every part of our lives, that we might live faithfully in him. And as we have explored, Jesus says in the Gospels that I have come to, or I will, 32 times in all the Gospels. And today I have the unique privilege of preaching the second half of what would have been Evan's two-hour long sermon last week, had we all not needed to break for lunch. Um, for today, we'll be exploring the same text that Evan was in last week, and that's Luke chapter 12, verses 49 50. Evan addressed the statement of Jesus in which Jesus said that he came to cast fire on the earth. You may have noticed that in the very next verse, verse 50, Jesus says that he has to do another thing, that he has a baptism to be baptized with, or some versions say he has a baptism to undergo. And we'll see today that these are two sides of the same coin. In other words, Evan preached fire last week, and I'll preach water this week. If last week we saw what the fire of judgment is, this week we'll see how that fire is applied. If last week we saw Jesus go through the fire, this week 
We will see what it's like when he comes out on the other side. But this is what our text says, that Jesus has a baptism undergoing. He underwent a baptism. And I hope we see that because Jesus underwent this baptism, when we are buried underneath the waters of judgment, by faith in him, may come up life. <laughs> so yeah, let's read our text for the day. It's Luke chapter 12, verse 49 and 50, in which Jesus says, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. This is the word of God. Let's pray again. Teach us, O Lord, the way of your statutes. We will keep it. Give us understanding that we may keep your law and observe it with our whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for we delight in them. Find our hearts to your testimonies and not to selfishness. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give us life in your name. Confirm to your servants your promise that you may be Turn away the reproach that we dread, for your rules are good. Behold, we long for your precepts, your righteousness. So, because this is the second part of Evan's sermon last week, I find it fitting to talk a little bit about what Evan preached on last week. So Evan, in short, explained that Jesus said, when he came to cast fire on earth, that this refers to a fire of judgment and of purification. And a fire of judgment is, I mean, that's a lot of what Luke chapter 12 is about, is what happens when Jesus comes back for the judgment. Um, but this fire of judgment is one that's coming for all people. God will consume the whole world in the final judgment. Think of Sodom and Gomorrah. Think of people who are stuck in their wickedness, who are unrepentant sinners that are evil in every way, and God casts fire. On that city, Sodom and Gomorrah, or those cities. But also, it's a fire of purification. I really like the scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1, which says that the test of genuineness of our faith, which is more precious than gold, though it perishes, or that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. This is, this is what the fire of purification is. It's like gold that's put into the furnace. When Jesus has a hold of our hearts and we have faith in him, he uses fire to cleanse us, to purify us, to make us better and new and more sanctified, more uh, praising and worshiping of him. And this is a faith that's being continually refined every day. God uses the fire, the suffering, the heat to sanctify us so that the end result is glorious. And Luke chapter 12 really does center a lot about this casting of fire. He tells us, Jesus tells multiple parables and stories about what happens when people do and do not love and trust Christ with their lives. Think of the people that don't acknowledge their name or don't acknowledge the name of Christ before other people. Jesus says that he'll, he'll, he will not acknowledge them before his Father. There's also the parable of the rich fool in which he builds a bunch of barns and stores up goods for himself, but then he pays toll for the price. And then there's the disobedient servant who, upon receiving the master's orders to take care of the, of the property until the master's return, this disobedient servant beats slaves, gets drunk on the master's wine, and then when the master comes back, he is punished. And they all face the fire of judgment because they weren't ready for Jesus to come. They weren't ready when Jesus would come back. But those that do, those who do acknowledge Christ's name before others, those that aren't anxious in anything but seek the kingdom first, those that are dressed for action and eagerly await the return of their Savior, all these people, though they suffer as they wait, will end up receiving the reward for their toil. When the fire comes, they are purified, not eternally. And this is what Evan explains, that though a fire of judgment is coming, and Jesus went through that fire of judgment for us, that we wouldn't have to. Those that are purified by the fire ultimately are the ones who had faith in him and in his work to endure the fire of judgment, the wrath of God, the righteous wrath of God on our behalf. We cannot be saved, 
cannot be saved and purified except for what Jesus has done for us. We are purified by his going through fire judgment. So when Jesus says he came to cast fire on earth, yes, it's a fire of judgment, sin, but it's a fire that he walked through for us. Or you could say he was baptized. And this is where we enter our text today, the next verse. For if Jesus is going through the fire, is the what? Then the baptism of Jesus happens. Jesus explains how his baptism actually does this for us. So to first understand what this actually is, um, we need to answer one crucial but incredibly important question. What is baptism? And to illustrate this, I wanted to spend a good chunk of this sermon sort of walking through a key text explaining baptism in the scriptures, which is yeah, 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, verses 18 through 22. So if you would flip in your Bibles to that, we're going to be spending a lot of our time there. And I'll just read that here. <clears throat> For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. This is a dense passage. There's a lot that goes on here, but I really think it helps us understand what the baptism of Christ actually is. For in verse 18, Peter opens up by saying that Christ suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, and being made alive in the spirit. And this is, this is really what I want to get at here. That baptism, Jesus' baptism, is first and foremost a death and a resurrection. For Christ suffered, he was put to death for us. But he had victory over death. We sang songs about how, how great the high priest is before the throne of God above that never mediates for us. He, it's because he lived first. He was made alive in the spirit and is now at the right hand of God that we actually have life. Christ's baptism was a death and a resurrection. Romans 6 puts it as, as that. I'll just read that real quick. Uh, Paul says, do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of his Father, we too might walk in life. And this makes sense with the image of baptism, right? I mean, the word baptism, in its most physical and literal use, means to immerse submerged. And think of it like the picture there. When someone is baptized, they are buried underneath the water. And then when they come up, they are being raised. It's the physical act of baptism mimics death and a resurrection, a burial and a resurrection. So when someone is baptized, they are buried, and they come up from their burial washed and clean. They've gone through the water and they are clean. And this is what Jesus did for us. Peter says he suffered for us. It was substitutionary. It was on our behalf. It says the righteous for the unrighteous. Christ did it. Though he was righteous, he did it for unrighteous people. Giving us life, he brought us near to God through his baptism. And so when Jesus says he has a baptism to be baptized with, this is primarily what he means, that he has a death and a resurrection. He also says that he has a he, he does this and he has victory over evil. In verse 19, it says that he went and proclaimed to the spirits in the prison. He preaches the victory of his death to the evil spirits that roamed the earth in the time of Noah. When, as Genesis says, every 
intention of the thoughts of the heart of the hearts of man was evil continually. Jesus had victory over death. His baptism not only was the death and resurrection for him alone, but over all evil he had victory. And looking at the story of the flood, I think we learn another thing that's really neat. Jesus uses this metaphor, Peter uses this metaphor of the story of Noah to explain what the baptism of Jesus is. And that's that it's a passing through the waters of judgment. So real quick, if you aren't familiar with the story of Noah, in essence, the heart of the heart of man during that time on earth was evil continually. And God decided and promised to blot out the man whom he had created over all the earth. He was completely dissatisfied and displeased with the evil that he saw, and he promised judgment for these people. He promised that he was going to bring a great flood of waters to destroy every living thing. But Noah, it says in Genesis, found favor in God's sight. And God makes a covenant with Noah that God would save him and bring him through the flood. And Noah only had to obey God's command and build the ark and bring his family and two of each kind of animal onto the ark with him. And once the, once the flood came, God made good on both his promises, both the covenant with Noah and the promise to blot out evil. For he brought the flood, and it says that there, were, there was rain continually on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. And every living thing that was on the earth was destroyed, except for those that were on the ark. God brought Noah through the waters and saved his, him and his family through the flood. And then it says, interestingly, that when the flood was over, when the rain was over, God made a wind to blow over all the earth to make the water subside. And as Noah and his family are still waiting for the waters to subside, he sends out a dove to find dry land. And the dove, eventually he sends out the dove twice, he comes back with an olive leaf. And then Noah knows, okay, there's dry land. I can land here and be safe, get off the ark. And then after this, after Noah and his family landed, Noah built an altar to offer praise to God. And it says that the Lord, smelling the pleasing aroma, said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. So what does all of this have to do with it? Well, Peter says that baptism corresponds to this. How? Now, I'm an engineer, so I really like equations. So let's lay out a few equations here. Actually, first, here, here's this picture. This, you should appreciate this picture for a quick moment. So this is a picture um, from this artist I really like. He does really uh, like messianic art. It's really cool. Coldofeyes.com. But he, he did this picture of, of, of basically you can see there's a silhouette of Jesus as he's stretched out on the cross. And he's underneath the water, and you can see it's like he's supporting the ark as it's floating through the water, which I think that's a cool just picture of you know, Jesus in his baptism and his crucifixion. He's supporting the ark that's uh, going through. But anyway, here's those equations that you all are so excited about. Um, <laughs> so the flood waters, this essentially means God's judgment. And for those of you that are familiar, this flood waters is actually a very consistent metaphor for God's judgment throughout all of the scriptures. And it is very, uh, it is associated often with chaos and disorder. Like think of even the creation story where God separated the waters. He was bringing order to disorder. He was bringing order out of chaos. And of course here, the flood is the means that God used to judge all evil. And then Noah entering the flood waters, well, this is like Jesus' crucifixion. Because God made a covenant with Noah, and Jesus, like Noah, had a covenant with God, and he promised to go through the judgment. He went through the judgment that God had for all people. Just as Noah went through the waters. And Noah, emerging through the flood waters, is like Jesus' resurrection. It's him being raised to life. 
And in the same way, I mean, we, know, we know the story. Jesus didn't stay dead. He was raised. He didn't just endure the judgment. He went through it and came out on the other side. He emerged from it. And in the same way, the ark and Noah's faith in God, first and foremost, is what allowed him to make it through the waters. God provided a way through. He was still in the waters, but he made it on the other side. And the wind and the dove, I think this is super cool. Peter says that Christ was put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit. And we even see that metaphor in the story of Noah. For the spirit is often associated with wind. The word spirit, ruach, is the word breath, air. And then the dove, of course, is when the, the spirit came as a dove and descended on Jesus during his earthly baptism. The Holy Spirit was present here during the whole time. The Spirit is the one that raised Christ to life by the power of the Father. In the same way, the Spirit was with Noah as he and his family uh, emerged through the waters. And at the end, it says that Noah built an altar and sacrificed an animal to God. And God smelled that aroma. He smelled that pleasing aroma. And then he promised to never again curse the ground because of And in the same way, when Jesus sacrificed himself, that aroma was pleasing to God. That sacrifice satisfied the Father's wrath. And the benefit of Jesus' sacrifice was for the whole earth. Just as Noah, through his faith and his sacrifice, God said that he would never curse the ground, so Jesus, through his sacrifice and his faith, He allowed us to have the pathway to eternal life in him. Our benefit is in Jesus' resurrection. Our benefit is from him and what he he went through for us. So, just like last week, just as the fire is either of wrath or is either wrath or purification, so is this week the water either of judgment or purification. The story of Noah says that those who didn't believe God, or in his word, who didn't have faith in him, who were evil, they were blotted out from the face of the earth. They were judged. But Noah and his family, who found favor in God's sight, who had faith to obey God's commandments, and that God would bring him through the flood, these were saved. In the same way, it's only through faith in Jesus that we may be saved waters of judgment, which is the wrath of God. And this is what Peter says, right? <clears throat> that baptism saves you, verse 21. And this kind of illustrates a little bit of what our baptism actually is. He says it's corresponding to Jesus' baptism. It corresponds to Jesus' baptism. I want to clarify a few things. It can at times be easy to get confused in the metaphor. And when it says that baptism saves you, some traditions, some people in the past have confused this by saying that the act of baptism itself saves you. And unfortunately, there are some brothers and sisters who wrongly think this way, that the act itself of baptism saves you, that it itself cleanses you from your sin and gives you access to heaven. They at times think of baptism as a fire insurance your one-stop shop for salvation. Some traditions baptize babies in this manner. Not every, ba- not every tradition baptizes babies for saving faith, but some do. Some, some say that like in their doctrines. That as, a, as a baby, if you're baptized, you're saved. You're cleansed. You're, you're sinned. Or some people repeatedly have so-called revivals, continually get baptized to wash away their guilt. They're, they're, they're going to the baptism itself as a thing to cleanse them from their guilt and their sin. And both of these, both of these are wrong views of what baptism actually is. For Peter says right here, it's not as a removal of dirt from the body. This just means that it does not cleanse you. It does not actually save you. It does not wash away your sin itself. It's the faith. It's the faith that washes away your sin. And it's being baptized in faith out of obedience to God, that this means. 
That's also what Peter, <clears throat> excuse me. That's also what Peter says. <laughs> it's as an appeal to God, as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Or some people, or some versions say, from a good conscience. And I kind of like that because it's essentially saying that it's an act of obedience. It is, the baptism is not the thing you do for your saving faith. It's a thing you do from saving faith. It's a response to God's grace and his call for you to be baptized. Other versions say, as, instead of appeal, that it's either a pledge or an answer. It's an act of faith done as an appeal to God from a pure heart, from a cleansed heart. And the most important part of what baptism is, Peter says, it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our faith that we are baptized into has been attained through Jesus' resurrection. Jesus was baptized on our behalf. For us, baptism's saving power is only as good as Jesus' baptism. If he did not first endure the death and resurrection, when we would go underneath the water, we wouldn't be able to come up. It's only because he died and was raised that we can follow him and have faith in him and be, be raised as well, die and be raised as well. So all of that, all of that, that's baptism. I know, long answer. But it's a necessary one. To know Jesus' baptism and our baptism is to know the death that he faced for us and the resurrection that he has attained for us. And now also how he has called us to follow suit in dying to ourselves and being raised. And you'll notice going back to Luke, Luke says, or Jesus says in Luke, that he has a baptism to undergo and how great is his distress until it is accomplished. This is why Jesus is distressed, because he's about to face the wrath of God. And I really found this interesting. The word distress in the Greek is, uh, say it like, kineho, at least the butchered English version. Um, but it's like the image. It's an image of being crowded, like people pushing in all around you. It's also associated as an image of being held in captivity by soldiers or an army a city under siege. It's like a city that's isolated and there are soldiers all around it are pressing in on the city. The word, in essence, then, means to be constrained, to be held in by, to be taken entirely with. And it's used also to describe like the same word. In Luke 22, it says that now the men who were holding Jesus in custody before he was before the high priest were mocking him as that's the same word, Tuneho, that Jesus was held in custody. He was held in. So Jesus, in other words, when he's distressed about his baptism, he's surrounded and engulfed, totally consumed by the waters that he's about to go through. He's totally consumed by it. He is fully immersed in the baptism he's about to undergo. But guess what? How great is my distress until it is accomplished? It was accomplished. It was completed. The deed is done. Jesus came to be baptized, and baptized he was. He was buried underneath the water, but he emerged with our victory in hand and the serpent's head underneath him. And Jesus went through this baptism for us and now calls us to be baptized. This is incredibly important. Because we can know all about Jesus' baptism and the theology, and we can see how the scriptures connect and how cool it is that God has you know, written this story of Jesus being baptized for us. But it's how we respond to it that actually makes it useful for us. Jesus came to baptize people, but he also came that we might baptize others. Matthew chapter 28 uh, Great Commission, the very DNA of the Christian Missionary Alliance, says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go, baptize all nations in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I think the application for us is very simple. Repent and be baptized, as the scriptures say. All people will be plunged into the water, but it's only through faith in him that we may come up alive. So why wait? I don't know where each of you stand this morning, but if you are a believer already, and you've never been baptized, know this, that by believing in him, you're claiming his baptism for yourself. So why not be baptized? This is something that the people of the early church did when they first received the word. That they received the word by faith. That's again, incredibly important. Say that again and again, by faith. And then they were baptized. It's a representation of what they're going through spiritually. It's a death and a resurrection for them. And you'll find that baptism not only is good for when you first believe, but it continually yields us wonderful fruit. It's obedience to God's command. Again, God calls us to be baptized and baptize others. It is an act of faith. Again, it's an appeal to God for a good conscience, from a good conscience. It's us responding to him out of the joy and the work that he has done for us. He's created in us a new heart, and he's given us faith to respond to him. It's also a commitment to continually die to sin and live to God. Again, I, I quoted Romans chapter 6 earlier. Paul was saying there, how can we who died to sin still live in it? We were buried with him into death. We were raised that we might walk in newness of life. Therefore, die to sin and live to God. That's what our baptism is. It's a public profession of faith. It's, it's baptizing, or it's being baptized into one body. The scriptures say that we who are baptized, we're baptized into one body in the Spirit. It's a commitment to the body of Christ as a whole, that we who are saved are now a part of, this, of his body. And most of all, one of my favorite parts of what baptism is, it's a refreshing reminder of what Christ did for us. It's something that we can all partake in when new believers are just as with a wedding, when we go and see the bride and the, uh, and the groom being joined together in marriage, how we're all reminded of what that's like, of what the coming marriage of the bride, church, and the lamb, Christ, will be like. We can look forward to that in anticipation each time we go to a wedding. So it is when we're baptized. When new believers are baptized, we, can, we are reminded of what Christ did for us, that he died and was raised for us. And to see someone else receive that promise by faith is a great refreshment. And remember also that baptism is continual. As long as we are on the earth, the Spirit is continually working in our hearts and giving us deaths and resurrections. He's giving us new and fresh baptisms every day. That's what the scriptures mean when they say that we have in Christ new, new mercies every morning. We are being renewed day by day. We are being baptized. We are dying and being raised every day, dying to our old self and being raised to our new self, putting off the old person and putting on the new. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's good to pray for, too. Pray for the Spirit to baptize you regularly. So to close, I do want to Sounds a little nerdy, but I have really liked this one rap song um, from <laughs> this artist called Flame. Um, he did this song on baptism, this rap song on baptism. It's really good. And I just wanted to read this as we close here. He just says, When I'm doubting my faith and I'm stuck in my head, then I look outside to the promise he gives, that baptism saves was buried and rose up with Christ. That, that's what our baptism is. And everything Jesus' baptism did, we benefit because our baptism is his. The spirit, forgiveness, Jesus' perfection, resurrection, the word, and the water gift. Beautiful thing. 
So as we now close, remember this. I love this. <laughs> that the baptism that Jesus went through, he did for us. And he was baptized for us that we might die and be raised to him. So, if you aren't baptized, be baptized. Repent and be baptized. Follow the Savior that you love. And if you are, ask for continual baptism. Let's pray. Jesus, Lord, we love you and continually thank you for the baptism that you went through for us. We thank you how it is not, not anything that we've done, not anything that we've done. Lord, you endured the fire and the water for us. Thank you now, Lord, that this, because you did this, we are raised to new life. And we rejoice in this. We rejoice in this. And we pray that you would baptize us every day from here on out until you come back. And even help us to, as we are baptized, continually in the Spirit, continually look forward when you re- will redeem this world. For you are coming back to baptize the world in fire. And we know that because you already went through the fire, judgment, we go through the fire of purification. Because you went through the water, we can be raised up to eternal life. And it's all the praise and the glory of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I invite you to stand with us.
As we go, Common Ground Church, we're going to read Colossians 2, verses 11 through 15, which is the same passage that Evan read last week. But be reminded of this, that in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, but putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them receive this word and go in the faith that Christ has given you. Have a wonderful week. Have a great